I'm Tyler, a god for all intents and purposes. <sighs> Dennering. I'm Connery. You better not you better not make me miss my flight, kid Hansen. <laughs> what? <laughs> and this is the franchise, a podcast where friends get together to talk about movie franchises, big, small, sometimes about small things, sometimes about big things. Sometimes about kaiju-sized things. <laughs> <laughs> and today we're talking about and kicking off our legendary Godzilla series with Godzilla 2014, because um, you know, you know, there might be a there might be a new one coming out mm. uh, pretty pretty soon. The fattest Godzilla. <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's Show the fattest Godzilla the- <laughs> of them all? <laughs> I like it, but I feel like this is going to be a slightly combative episode. But anyways, <laughs> we're talking about. Gareth Edwards' uh, American Godzilla 2014, um, and today with us is our pal and kaiju expert, Ooh. Alfonso Don't oversell Hall. me. <laughs> <laughs> kaiju fan. Hi. Is fanatic too much? Uh, fanatic would definitely be too much. Expert, definitely too much. Uh, Enthusiast? Mogul, too much. Um, <laughs> kaiju zealot. Zealot! <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with Zealot. That that it, I'll accept that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever anybody says anything wrong about the vast Godzilla lore, you just start fighting them. <laughs> just <laughs> physical altercations. Just make my worst imitation of a Godzilla roar and just punch them. <laughs> <laughs> I I picture you hold their jaw open, you breathe aggressively into their mouths. <laughs> oh jeez, that's like the worst thing to do in the time of COVID. Yeah, that that could probably get you in jail, even without the physical assault. Yeah, atom experiment breath. Atomic. What about those? What's that? A uh, red that red gum that big that like red cinnamon gum that exists. <laughs> big for red. A while. Big red. Yeah, big red shoe just down someone's throat. So spicy. Uh, <laughs> but um, I don't know how the Muto feel now. <laughs> Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, I feel like me and Connery have, <laughs> we've already, I feel like ever since this movie came out, we've had differing opinions on this film. I have mm-hmm. no idea what your take is, uh, Al, but we we will definitely talk about it. But um, yeah, can you just give us a little history of your interest in kaiju movies in general, especially like the Godzilla franchise? Uh, so I started getting into Godzilla because as a kid huge dinosaurs and stuff are rad mm-hmm. oh yeah of course uh and i used to obsessively watch power rangers as a kid yes and i'm sure you guys are aware uh power rangers is originally a tokusatsu like japanese uh mm-hmm. franchise mm-hmm. and i ran out of power rangers to watch when i was young <laughs> and my family found me like ripped copies of super sentai <laughs> and i had no idea what's going on i didn't know it was japanese I just knew it was Power Rangers and it was rad. <laughs> and that kind of just continued on in life. And I started to look for other tokusatsu series. And people will argue whether kaiju movies and Godzilla are tokusatsu. But they're definitely in the same vein. And I got to it from there and have loved the giant dinosaur ever since. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the tokusatsu uh, Wikipedia page. And the first thing that pops up is the poster for Godzilla 1954. There we go. So maybe they might need to do a little bit more work, you know, but <laughs> that's what they say, at least. 
Al, did you see the the Power Rangers movie where there's like that purple creature and he's like he has ooze powers or something? Do you know what that's called? Because that's in my head for some reason now. It's completely blanking, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the, the weird purple man. <laughs> yeah, although weird pu- purple man describes a lot of tokusatsu villains. That's a good point too. Yes. <laughs> oh man, now there's there's one I saw like last year that I'm totally spacing on what it's called now. I'll have to come back to it. I have to check my letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> I have, right. to go, have to go deep in to see what it was, but I really enjoyed it. But we'll come back to it because it was more tokusatsu than it was uh, kaiju. But um, yeah, before we talk proper about Godzilla 2014, we're going to have our little segment of What's New? <laughs> Where we talk about anything that any uh, media that we've been consuming in any way, uh, whether it be movies, music. I don't know, even, you know, could you say podcasts, television, television books, books even, remember books, people? <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you mean those things on Audacity or not Audacity? What's the, <laughs> um, what's no, the uh, audition the, no, I on my nook? Um, <laughs> no, the one that's the audio books. Audible, Audible. Audible. Yeah. <laughs> what is all of Audible for 500? I'm at the point where I'm just reading graphic novels or listening to Audible. That's good. But... We'll have a little segment of what's new. Connery, why don't you start? Oh, I can start. Okay. Well, what's new with me is recently I've been watching the old Clone Wars uh, TV series because that's on Disney Plus, and I had never actually given the show a chance or watched it before. The and old I know... Clone Wars series or the old, old Clone Wars series? By I've, I've seen, Jim I saw Aronofsky. all the animated ones, and I liked those a lot. <laughs> the, the cartoon ones, I guess. And now the CGI ones I'm watching for the first time, pretty much. Gotcha. Oh. And Tyler and our um, future and impending guest, Jacob Adia, <laughs> always raved to me about. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm, I'm just going to sit down and watch this. I was just really bored the other day. So I just decided to do some work and have it on in the background. And I actually really enjoyed myself. I thought the droids are really funny. And I laughed at a lot <laughs> of the things that they did, <laughs> funny enough. And what else? I really enjoy just the banter. I'm surprised I like Ahsoka so much. I thought she'd be kind of annoying, but she's very endearing. And I don't know. I just I really enjoy it so far. The animation's a little janky, but it hasn't really bothered me. It kind of just looks looks like a PlayStation One game happening in the background. (laughs) Alfonso, have you seen that show? I have actually. I've watched all but the last season of it, which was the one that came with Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, I did not watch Rebels though, which I've heard was also good, but not as good. Yeah, uh, Clone Wars is one of those shows where it started off as like very obviously a kid show, and mm-hmm. I think <laughs> right. they figured out they were getting a lot of viewers who grew up with Star Wars like us, and mm. so they kind of definitely made characters a lot more bearable for adult consumption later on. Oh, totally. I, I imagine this is the series. It was one of those shows that grew up with its audience once they realized, oh, well, a bunch of older kids or kids or grown men are watching our show. I guess we have to age up a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Like, I remember seeing the movie, the Clone Wars movie mm-hmm. <laughs> in theaters oh, at my man. local cinema when I was uh, when, whenever that came out. Oh, peak, you know, you know. <laughs> um. Yeah, I remember going to see that, and I'm like, oof, like, all right, this definitely seems, like, kiddish and, like, very blocky and stuff, but mm. as this, as the series goes on, you're totally right, like, 
uh, it's not that it gets more mature. I mean, I guess it does. It's not like it gets more violent, but I don't know. I guess the story gets a little more complex. And well, they deal feels... with the genocide of an entire people yeah. eventually, so it's going to get It's dark. less... It becomes. It's not that it becomes more adult. It's that it handles more mature themes, in my opinion. That's good. Yeah, That's definitely. Um, there's definitely, like, I can nitpick certain things where I'm like, oh, this is a really interesting idea, and I want Star Wars to go in this certain direction. Like, there's an episode later on... Um, I don't know. Do you want me to spoil it? Like, I don't know if you care, Connery. Uh, you, you, you can spoil it. I, I don't care. There's like an episode later on. But I don't even know what season. It might be season six or something where um, they they go to like the Confederacy's like uh, like the CIS's um, government where it's like mm-hmm. a court, like kind of like parliament or something. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, like there's actually some good people on the other side and everything. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, let's explore that a lot. But then it kind of just like is like, oh, no, they end up being evil. So it's just kind of <laughs> disappointing. Like... But it's it's at least I mean that's the thing that always keeps me grabbing, especially with the prequels of Star Wars, like Star Wars in general. But it just keeps me like grasping at it and like, oh, but what if this? And like, it <laughs> never gets fully explored. But it, it's really a great way of fleshing out, I think that that era. And yeah, it's, I'm it's really very glad. tantalizing with its like ideas, or it teases you and is like, oh, but now you can kind of spin off and think about this on your own, pretty much, and I guess subconsciously branch new Star Wars universes. <laughs> yeah, you're making me want to watch. <clears throat> like the earlier seasons again because I watched the last season when it just came out because I, I when we were living together Connor like years ago like yeah. a few years ago um, I watched all of them again but I remember that um, but uh, yeah the newest seasons are very good highly recommend it um, Rebels is good but I like I like Clone Wars better but mm. I decided yeah. I wanted if I was a Jedi I wanted to be Plo Koon I think I've said that a bunch of times <laughs> on this show but I want to be him. <laughs> Plakun rolls. He does. He's super cool. <laughs> We're expendable, sir. Not to me. <laughs> I've always been a uh, Kit Fisto sort of guy. Oh, Kit Fisto oh, is cool, yeah. too. I saw a solo episode with him. Like, Kit Fisto rocks. <laughs> Kit Fisto smiles and then throws his lightsaber in the air and then activates it in battle. <laughs> <laughs> That's just flexing on people, right? Like, there's no, there's no tactical Absolutely. advantage to that. It's pure intimidation. <laughs> Unfortunately, he just gets mowed down in, like, seconds in Revenge of the Sith, but otherwise, he's <laughs> really cool. Doesn't, like, George Lucas said, like, Darth Sidious at that point is, like, moving at, like, crazy-ass speeds or something stupid like that? <laughs> yeah. They're saying, like, he's moving so fast, he just cuts down three Jedi Masters, but it's just, like, you he just didn't spins. really convey that at all visually. I'm sorry. It's not like the one good scene in Justice League where Superman wakes up and he fights all the Justice League and like <laughs> looks at the Flash when he's running really fast. It's awesome. That's not yeah. a good scene. That's a good shot. Just the yes. one shot. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly one good That's shot. a great point. Which, um, yeah. uh, I mean, this is a total derailment, but are you excited for the Snyder Cut? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't imagine that no matter how much he snips and glues it together that it's going to magically make that movie into something I want to watch. We're going to review it on this show at one point, little wink for the future, but I can't imagine it being anything other than like a Frankenstein terror of a movie that I'm going to have to watch and experience. (laughs) It's a lie! Exactly. Zack Snyder just cackling in the background, everyone being like, why? 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 And that's like chasing it and burning it down in a windmill or something. The best part is that this is what they will have screamed for for actual years. Yes, and I think it will be everyone's destruction, or they will stamp their feet in the ground and say, no, it's good, and live in some (laughs) sort of sad (laughs) denial. 
Yeah, I'm definitely at the point of just like Stockholm Syndrome where I'm like, hey, maybe it's good. Maybe it'll be good. Because like the first, the original Justice League is such like a Frankenstein already, I feel. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, definitely not like a Snyder bro or anything. I'm like, you know what? There's nothing going on this year with movies. Like yeah. there's stuff coming out, but it's all to home. Like I was about to say home video, but you know, it's coming to HBO Max and all this stuff. Like theaters are still way off. So yeah. And, and I'll know. say, yeah, I'll say if, if it's good, I won't deny it. I won't be an asshole and be like, no, it's bad no matter what. If it surprises me and I think it's good, I'll stand by it. <laughs> Gotta cross your arms and be like, mm, I guess. I guess <laughs> it's good. Mm. Just like even like the new stuff coming out, like I'm sure there's new stuff coming out already by now, but um, the last thing I saw was a quote from Mash- Martian Manhunter. It's not even like a visual of him. I'm like, ooh, I love Martian Manhunter from the Justice League like TV yep. series, like the cartoon. That'll be so dope. And I'm like, he's probably going to just be like a, a hologram or something. Like it's not even going to be anything. Tyler, you should read Scott Snyder's um, Justice League because Martian Manhunter is the main character and he's still kick-ass in that and he dates Hot Girl and it's awesome. <laughs> nice. Well, right it's now good. I'm reading The Immortal Hulk, which yes. I need to read Ooh. more of. I've only read like the first two issues. But um, yeah, I don't have but enough to uh, actually recommend anything. But I mean, I mean, like I'm enjoying it so far is what I'm saying, but like I, I haven't given a comprehensive thought on it. But Alfonso, what's what's new with you? Uh, what is new with me? Um, <laughs> what I did actually just watch the other evening uh, was King of Staten Island. I don't know if you guys watched that. It was on HBO Max, like towards the beginning of uh, quarantine last year. With Pete Davidson, right? Yeah, well, starring Pete Davidson. It's a Judd Apatow movie, co-written by both of them with another mm-hmm. uh, like writer who. They just don't want to talk about it, apparently. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't uh, seen it yet. It's it's pretty good. It's a very believable take on kind of depression and getting over it and trying to figure out what to do with your life, which mm. I, I'm sure you guys can at least see as human emotions. <laughs> I sense uh, that human emotion, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh I feel like Pete Davidson is a very good fit for it, not necessarily because I feel he's the greatest actor of all time, but because he's very believable in the role. Isn't it kind of like based off his like real life or something? Yes, it is lightly based off of his own real life. Uh, his father passed when he was young and was a firefighter, just like the character in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's it's largely about him being aimless for the next 20 or so years because of that, and then mm-hmm. finally getting a kick in the butt to try to figure himself out. Well, I know that feeling very well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it looked interesting always when I, whenever I saw a trailer for it. I, I'm not a big Pete Davidson fan. I think that's what kind of turned me off to it, but it's always been on the peripheral of my mind to, like, maybe I should give this a watch. And now that you're somebody actually say it's good, maybe I'll finally give it a chance. In my opinion, the trailers set it up as far more of, like, a very straightforward movie. Mm-hmm. But the actual execution of the plot, it was different from what I thought it was going to be. And it actually is why I ended up liking it. Because if it was okay. like the trailers, I probably would not have seen it nearly as favorably. Okay, awesome. That's good to hear then. Yeah, I I definitely have no excuse to not watch it anymore. <laughs> Especially since it's on HBO Max. Because um, I just... Uh, 
I mean, I guess in part it's because I'm like when I'm editing photos at home or like exercising, I'll just put on like whatever action movie or just whatever kind of like need I'm like an action I, movie I, to pump you up, Tyler. Especially while you're working out, you don't want like some movie about like getting over depression. <laughs> well, I'm also just trying. It's not like I'm working out that much, but like I'm just trying to like I I'm just trying to watch movies that I know are kind of just like whatever, so I don't <laughs> always have to be staring at the screen, you know. Um, so. I, I'm also just, like, weirdly attracted to, like, B-grade movies. Just to, like, hey, maybe there's something in here. So I, I kind of just need to check out King of Staten Island at this mm. point. So I'll report back once I watch it because uh, um, this isn't a recommendation, but, you know, I'm watching things like The Tax Collector instead. So <laughs> Did you actually sit and watch that already? You bet I did. Oh, boy, God. I'm, I'm going to guess by the fact that you specifically said it's not a recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> that it's not going well. I mean, yeah. I mean, hey, like, like if anybody enjoys, huh? I, I heard, it, I heard it's like racist or something. Like, is is that the case or like what, um, what's its deal? I mean, being a white man, I will say it's tell less... it to us as a white man, Tyler. <laughs> I'll say it's like less racist than I expected, but that's not really a good thing, you know. <laughs> Well, the the controversy was because Shia LaBeouf plays a, a Latin character in it, right? Oh. And I don't know if he does. That's the thing. Like, I've watched the movie, and I'm still not sure. It's just, like, more so it's just more confusing than anything, you know? He's I like, remember he got a full-body tattoo for it, too, right? Yeah. Wow. And anyways, he's, like, totally canceled now, I guess. So, like, Oof-a-doofa. it's just, like, I don't know. Well, <laughs> R.I.P. Shia. He tried real hard, didn't he? Got so far, but in the end, didn't really matter. <laughs> Thanks, Lincoln Park. <laughs> I can. I love it. <laughs> uh, Tyler, what's new with you? Um, I feel like you've been you've been chiming in every now and then, but what what's the real deal? What do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. You're like, well, I've been reading Hulk, and you're like, well, I watched oh, yeah. uh, need to watch Staten Island. Then you're like, I need to see uh, what's it called? Uh, or not need to see, but uh, oh yeah. I, and for I, the I record, if if you enjoy, you know, like, if you're going to, like, if I say a movie's, like, I didn't like it, and you like it, like, I'm not trying to, like, um, wreck you or anything. Like, Tweet hey, at us! I'm all for it. If How you get enjoyment dare. out of anything nowadays, like, <laughs> I'm very happy for you. Whatever joy anyone can squeak, squeeze out at most anything, I'm pretty happy about them for. Yeah. So, hey, Clone Wars on Disney+, Plus, King of Staten Island on HBO Max, those are mm-hmm. other recommendations. Um, I will recommend... There's two movies on Criterion Channel, if you Ooh. have that subscription service, um, which I always enjoy whenever there's anything that's, like, <laughs> inverse artsy, where it's just, like, they'll just have, like, some weird oddball stuff on there. Um, so I watched 20 Million Miles to Earth, which is a monster movie from the 50s. It's, like, an American movie where basically uh, astronauts bring a monster back um, to Earth from Venus, I think. I think they go oh. to the planet Venus. That, and it, huh? I was going to say, Tyler, really fast, that reminds me of the extremely horny vampire alien movie you made, made me watch called Life Force. Oh, yeah, Life Force. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I watched it. It's a horny retelling of Dracula, but from space. Anyway, I, I love any about. movie that can be described as horny immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you'll love Life Force then. <laughs> you'll love Godzilla 2014. <laughs> the horniness, horniest of the Godzillas. <laughs> There's like not a single scene that I'm just like, 
that there's anything going on. Um, I don't think they're supposed to be. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Well, there's that touch that the two monsters, the mutos, like well, they like go. Like, oh, oh you know you're right. They are horny because they laid a bunch of eggs. And yeah, you literally watch one of the mutos lay eggs. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And also, Godzilla's thick as hell. So I mean, come on, it is really a <laughs> horny movie. <laughs> Uh, 20 million anyway. miles to earth ray harryhausen like designed the creature and animated it and everything so that's cool um i think the movie's kind of boring but anything with ray harryhausen involved is awesome and there's like a finale at the roman coliseum so i just think i have a soft spot for those two things definitely i kind of like any movie that has the coliseum in it mm. whether it be um it's just, well yeah of course gladiator <laughs> It's escaping my mind right now, but the uh, Bruce Lee movie where he fights Chuck Norris in the Coliseum. Oh, shit. Ooh, uh, is that Enter the Dragon? No. No, it's, it's not Enter the it's, Dragon. It's, um, it's something else dragon. Way of the Dragon? <laughs> I think it's Way dragon. of the Dragon. Looking it's been it a few and years since I've watched this. <laughs> yes. And also Double Team, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme and, uh, <laughs> God damn it, what's his name? The basketball, basketball player. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of basketball players. There's a lot of basketball players. Say the name, Tyler. Who Dennis the Rodman. Dennis. There Rodman. we go. So there he fights is. Bruce Lee in a coliseum? <laughs> no, Chuck Norris does. <laughs> Chuck Norris is incredibly hairy and fights Bruce Lee in the coliseum. Disgusting. And, and Jean-Claude Van Damme fights Mickey Rourke in the coliseum in double team. Wow. There's, I didn't realize the coliseum was used so often as an action piece for like martial arts people to... Sh- like throw down oh yeah it's pretty great i think there's a lion also in uh double team um oh, wow. <clears throat> aside from that i also recommend destroy all monsters which on, is on criterion channel it's a godzilla movie with like just basically at that point i think that it came out in 1968 so i think that was like the first big like the most amount of monsters possible in one movie Ooh. so you know you got Anguirus, you got king jidora you got uh. um gigan uh no, Gigan uh, was until the seventies, I think. Was Rodan in uh, Destroy All Monsters? Yeah, you got Rodan. You got the spider Rodan. one, who uh, his name I always forget. Mothra. Um, and Mothra. Yeah. Um, I will say, considering that, it's a little underwhelming, considering what <laughs> like how many monsters are in it, and it's called Destroy All Monsters. But you still get to see them all fight, and it's like just kind of cool to watch. So you know. If you That's want good. a little kaiju stuff, check out um, 20 Million Miles to Earth and Destroy All Monsters and Criterion Channel. Beautiful. All right. There it is. We did and it. And now we must talk about Godzilla 2014, the return to America. <laughs> Back to America. Not New York this time, though. California, baby. Yep. California, which includes Lone Pine, Oakland, San Francisco, and Las Vegas. Yeah, all California. But um, yeah, I don't know what what were your guys' overall thoughts? All uh, Alfonso, how about you go first? Because yes. I have no idea. Uh, overall, I I watched Godzilla twenty fourteen when it first came out, and I watched it once, maybe like twenty fifteen or so uh, afterwards. And it's actually a fairly solid movie. I, as far as production quality and writing and cinematography go. I like it a lot, actually. Mm. As a Godzilla fan, maybe not so much. Uh, yeah. But for the genre, it is markedly better than 
pretty much any other Western release to date, which you got to give it props for. I suppose so. I have a very soft spot for the 1990s Godzilla that premiered, though, in America. <laughs> no. uh, the 1998 one with the weird alien Godzilla? Yes, that's one of my favorite Godzillas, to be funny. I love the design. I think she's great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll uh, disagree on that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, everyone disagrees with me. I it's also fine. Agree. I've learned to live with it. It's just a big iguana. Uh, okay, yeah, because like that's it. what I was most interested in your opinion, Alfonso. This is basically like... What, what like, like in the grand scheme of things, like how like, is there a certain era of Godzilla you like? Have you seen like a lot of them, or is it just like a general kaiju thing that you're into? So I never really had an opportunity when uh, until a few years ago to watch a lot of. I mean, I guess I did because I could always get online or something, but I didn't have an opportunity presented to me until uh, a few years ago to watch a lot of the older stuff. I started working at a uh, Japanese collector store in Lo- in Los Angeles. Whoa. And it was mostly, uh, like, anime and stuff, but there was a lot of tokusatsu, including Godzilla, there uh, on, like, hard copies. And so I literally watched those while I was working. And I ended up really, really enjoying a lot of them. I don't have, like, a standout favorite amongst the older ones, um, but I have watched a large chunk of them just because of the availability of them just right there in front of me. Do you have like a knee-jerk reaction of one that you're just like, this one stood out in any way, shape, or form? Not necessarily maybe favorite, but you're like, I remember this one I enjoyed. Of like the older sect, I guess. Not particularly. I I have no like particular love of any of them. I do really not like the 1998 one. Uh, That's a lot of fish. The Shin Gojira from a few years ago is still one of my favorite movies of probably the last 10 years or so. See, I loved that yeah. one. That was great. That one is amazing, and I could talk about it for hours, but we're talking about one I don't like as much today. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> we'll come back for the Shin series when uh, we have him in... Uh... Wait, there's another Shin movie coming out. Forget there is? There is, oh, good. Yes. yes, good. Yes. I like that. <laughs> so, but, like, what about this movie in particular do you think doesn't really work as a Godzilla movie, or you don't like as much as a Godzilla movie? Let me let me pop open my notes here. <laughs> uh, so my big thing about it is that it is a above par, like faithfully faithfully produced movie mm-hmm. that really does get a lot of the core of Godzilla. It has that that like force of nature effect to it. Uh, the movie is really widely shot, like in order to make you feel like you're watching from the perspective of like the people, the ants, and you're just watching these acts of god come out before you but i feel like the the whole military plot with uh aaron taylor johnson really really cripples the movie makes it fall flat because it just (laughs) kind of meanders through it and i i feel like that really wastes a lot of the potential for it yeah i i agree with you i i honestly couldn't stand him or the whole military sequences throughout the entire movie i understand military is like always there in godzilla movies but and Shin Godzilla, I liked it a lot, especially the scenes where they're, like, doing paperwork and having to, like, approve all this stuff to get things moving in, like, a really fast manner I always enjoyed. But, ah, oh man, it's just, ah, I was so bored. I just, he, he bored me to no end. Yeah, so, like, uh, Godzilla has always been a lot about, or reflective of current social issues for wherever it's been released. So, mm-hmm. obviously, 
nuclear warheads, nuclear prol- proliferation, really big in the original Godzillas, really turned like toned back nowadays. But in Shinkajira, they went into a lot of detail about bureaucracy and how it can mm-hmm. lead to destruction and how they were just totally unable to like face the threat of Gojira as as it emerged. Yeah, like totally but, crippled. But Godzilla 2014 has to obviously go in a different direction because it's not Japan. We don't have mm-hmm. the Japanese governmental issues. We have our own. But it just feels really shallow in the movie. Because like most of our res- like solutions are shoot it with missiles and kill it, kill it, kill it, God, kill it as fast as possible. Like I know we're talking in the abstract here. I don't think I'm as hot on Shin Godzilla as like I think most people are because I feel like the fact that it focuses on bureaucracy so much and it's just like oh like you have to go through all these chains of command and everything to like get anything done and also like the guy at the very end like spoilers for Shin Godzilla but it's like he's like a younger guy and he's just like I'll do anything I can to destroy Godzilla and like everything like it's been a while <laughs> since I've seen it I saw it in theaters when like the year after it came out mm-hmm. um, but it's like weirdly like it feels a little like like I, I, I hope nobody takes this the wrong way, but like it, Shin Godzilla feels like weirdly fascistic in a little way, where it's just like, oh, all this bureaucracy. I wish there was just like one person who was in charge of everything, where uh, they could just like take out Godzilla right away. You know, it's like whether that's intended or not, it kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. I think it's and, more like a. To me, I guess it feels, especially towards the end of the movie, the resolution is more like these systems are in place for a reason, and when they work together, they work, and then they can actually stop Godzilla. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> it's a whole different movie. But basically, for this movie, I feel like it touches all of my buttons that I already really like. Where it's just like Godzilla is like a, a metaphor for nature itself, mm-hmm. and how humanity really means nothing in the <laughs> in the scope of the Earth and nature. And like, I really like that. And just like more and more as this movie goes on, like I'm trying to find the review basically, but like David Ehrlich. Um, he's a critic and he reviewed this movie like very, very positively, but basically it's just like that, just how like, it's like one of the first blockbusters, if not the first, where it just like focuses on how humanity doesn't really is not pales in comparison to nature. Yeah. I, so I, I like that a lot. Yeah. It's really enjoyable. Godzilla is such a strong metaphor for nature. And when you look up at this thing, you're just like. I really don't matter. And he's actually kind enough to not just eradicate mankind wherever he goes. Especially, like, I thought yeah. he'd just carve a way through, like, that airship and just cut it in half. He politely dives underneath it and then pops back up the other side. Uh, there's a there's a scene towards the end of the movie where Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson is hurt and he's laying there. And Godzilla, like, literally looks over at him. <laughs> and then yeah. just decides, nah, I'm just going to look back. I don't care about you. <laughs> I really yeah. like that scene. Like, basically everything this movie's going for, I'm just a sucker for. And, like, so I totally get if this doesn't work for a lot of people. But this is basically, like, I don't know, especially considering that it's, like, an American adaptation of Godzilla, especially considering 1998's Godzilla. Like, I feel like this is exactly in my wheelhouse of just, like, it's just so weird that, it's like, such a big-budgeted movie just doesn't, like, just tells the audience that humanity doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and I just really appreciate that in a way because, um, I mean, like, obviously I care about people and everything, but like, we're also just like, to get all hippie-ish, you know, it's like, oh, we're just like part of the ecosystem, man. Like, you we, know, we like, dwarf in comparison to the earth itself, natural disasters, things we can't control. Yeah. And I, I'm totally jumping ahead here, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should go down this movie a little bit, but 
I really like the approach to this, like of Godzilla and everything is perspective of it in this movie as compared to, I don't know, especially the 98 Godzilla, but <laughs> yeah, he's, it's very much just like kill that monster in 98. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, I, I want to touch really fast while we're talking about Godzilla as a symbol for nature and I, Brian Cranston's role. To me, I was kind of bummed out and it leaves a big vacuum of a actual human villain. Cause Charlie, you talked about how, if Godzilla is a metaphor for nature and like the natural progress of things and we're tiny little people, to me that leaves a big vacuum for a human character to be completely opposed to that and be super like, we have to eradicate these things so we're at the top of the food chain always. It makes me kind of upset that Brian Cranston wasn't that character. He's not still in the series and he's not still yeah. not going to be the person who like makes Mecha Godzilla to like help to help to eradicate <laughs> all the kaiju or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, it just that, seems like maniacal and really cool to have like a lasting villain like that who's like moving up in the ranks as the story goes. But you know, that's just my fan Godzilla theory shit. So we can move on from that. Yeah, I, I feel like I should. <laughs> I need some sort of quotation from Alfonso at some point because I feel like I'm just taking <laughs> oh, it over. Geez. But basically, this movie is like it's definitely a mistake. I think me personally thinking that like Aaron Taylor Johnson, like the son, it continues on, whereas it should be Brian Cranston with all of this stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Basically, it should like, be Brian Cranston and the uh, and the uh, and the monarch leader of Monarch. What's his actor name, Tyler? So I'm not like a total dummy. Um, I don't. Is he the leader of Monarch, Ken Watanabe, or? He's not the leader, as far as I know. Um, but he's like he's like the the representative of a monarch in that movie is like Ken. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yes. So I thought it was something like him and Brian Cranston taking on like Godzilla, and then them kind they're gonna of punch him. Yeah, they're gonna punch him in the face. <laughs> just they say. just get in their Pacific Rim uh, <laughs> Jaeger, and they have to mind meld and fight Godzilla. And that thing I was kind of hoping for, because then they have that that splitting of worldviews with Ken being like, "Let them fight, nature will prevail," and Brian Cranston be like, "No, it has to be us and only us, and that's how we'll save the world." And then that's how the split happens, and that's cool shit. But you know, it's it's whatever. It makes me a little sad. Before I have more to say, yeah, like Alfonso, do you have any opinion on this? Not really anything that you guys haven't mentioned. I've also been <laughs> like chiming in and interrupting you guys rudely. Oh um, no. no. You're the guest. You should talk more than us, because I feel like I'm rude when I talk more than you. <laughs> it's a delicate game. <laughs> R- really, really early on in the movie, like 30 minutes in, when they first introduced the Muto, uh, mm-hmm. they try to kill it in its cocoon, and it's a very on-the-nose message about, like, oh, this can't be slowed down. This can't be stopped. We tried everything. And that kind of carries on throughout the the entire movie kind of ham-fistedly there's a moment where ken watanabe is talking to the admiral or whatever the main military guy is mm-hmm. about nuking godzilla and Which would make him strong. ken watanabe <laughs> angrily goes we've tried that before and then some random military guy who's not even a main character makes a witty <laughs> remark about how much stronger the new bomb is <laughs> we'll kill him with the force of the bomb alone i think is what he says and i'm just like he eats nuclear energy. He'll yeah. love it. He'll he lick literally his lips has atomic like, thanks. Like, come on. <laughs> and that is really, really like. I think that's the big villain that thinks they're bigger than nature in the movie is mm. just the the stubborn headedness of the U.S. military to try to just bomb everything into oblivion. That's and a good point. Every single scene where they send all of these like army guys, like all these special forces guys, into 
these locations. Every single one, they do like a really cool wind up. They show them all rigging their weapons ready and gearing up. And then it takes about 30 seconds flat for them all to die. Yeah, they're like completely impotent in the face of Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. There's even a parallel to uh, Saving Private Ryan at the very end. Ooh. Uh, uh, where Aaron Taylor Johnson's on the boat. He pulls out his M9 and aims at the Muto. And it's like shot for shot uh, with Tom Hanks firing at the, at the tank. Right. And then Godzilla comes out of nowhere and saves him instead. Because <laughs> a pistol's going to do nothing against that monster. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did really like that shot because it's just like it's just like so like you're literally not going to do anything with this this pistol to like shoot the muto and everything but um just like the uh force of will of that character like i, I like i don't know like Aaron, why did they write it like this like i know there was like there's one credited writer i remember there being like actually eight writers on this movie <laughs> like i know that's that's i don't even think that's an exaggeration i just don't remember how exactly how many there were just a bunch but I really like the overall direction of the story, but I think, like, I know I'm jumping ahead to the rest of this franchise, but I feel like this franchise would have been more cohesive, too, if Brian Cranston was the one that was alive, but, like, I guess he was probably just having so many offers at that time, because mm-hmm. this is kind of like the Cranstonissance, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> where he's like, oh, this is after Breaking Bad, and, like, even in the credit, uh, the opening credits of this movie, like... You know, it does all the redacted kind of, like, mm-hmm. visuals. But, like, the only thing that's um, visual that you can see for Brian Cranston is Walter and White. Uh, Brian, I, didn't know, I did not notice that. <laughs> I didn't notice it either. It was on IMDb. But I, I, did, I did spend a lot of time pausing, like, on a microscopic level, trying to see what else the redacted thing said. But, um, yeah, it's just, like... Yeah, he was. He just had a lot of offers at the time, but it's like I think that would have been way better and more cohesive of a franchise. Because like right after this, like I I know this is jumping ahead, but like Kong Skull Island is so different from this movie, mm-hmm. and then King of the Monsters is kind of like both of these those movies combined. And he's just like this movie's so serious, you know, and like I really like that. But then the rest of the franchise gets so goofy and everything. So, like, I don't really... But at the same time, it's like, I'm not totally... Like, I was really upset when the first time I saw Kong Skull Island. But as I watch more of the 70s Godzillas especially, like, there's a lot of goofy Godzilla movies. <laughs> oh, Tokusatsu as a whole is very goofy. Yeah. It's always guys in suits who can barely move, kind of, like, wildly <laughs> flailing at each other. It gets very silly. Yeah. Which is, like, yeah, I totally get, like, why they wanted to, like, try to open it up to a wider audience, I guess, in a way. But just the visuals of this movie, like, I guess you could kind of clarify it, or, um, not clarify it, but you could kind of relate it to something like Chris Nolan, like, Batman. It's, like, just very kind of, like, stark color colors and, like, contrast, where it's just, like, not very colorful in any way. It's very, like, just, like, black and gray. And it's, like, yeah, buildings are being destroyed. There's fires everywhere. Um, it's a lot more serious, and I'm really into that. But at the same time, like maybe like a overall audience isn't like I, I, I like I'm also really into this. So, but I think I both of you like would you have preferred if it was more colorful and like a little goofy at points? Like I, I guess I would have appreciated a little bit more humor at points, but I don't know. Alfonso, I'll let, I'll let you tackle this first, my dude. What do you think? I don't think it needed to be any less serious. I actually agree with you. It's very good that it to- it presented a very serious and very grounded take on it. Uh, 
it does get a little humorous after the first two scenes of watching military guys like try to shoot pea shooters at them and just get wiped <laughs> away. And you start to get almost like slapstick with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But besides that, I liked that it took it to its core and actually took it seriously because despite those older movies being kind of silly in their creation, uh, the original Godzilla movie and a lot of the earlier ones, they weren't really about monster fighting or anything. They were about these serious issues that they were tackling. Mm-hmm. And so I actually appreciate that as movie versus... Uh, not to dig on your favorite movie again, Godzilla 1998, <laughs> where it actually is very purely just, uh, let's watch these mo- this monster fight and we're going to try to kill a monster and there's really nothing going on like yeah. deeper level than that. <laughs> My favorite movie is a harsh term. <laughs> <laughs> Connery's favorite movie, Godzilla 1998. 1998. No. Uh, I, I guess I, I agree with both of you. I don't think this movie needed to be silly because I think it's very comfortable in the shoes that's wearing of being very Mm self-serious I think I'd hate it a lot more if it then would turn on its heels and be goofy from time to time I think I'm very happy that it stays where it is and is just very grim and or not grim so much but just intense like Godzilla is a problem the mutos are a problem we have to solve them and we dwarf in the face of these beings created by nature that will probably squish us if they really, really want to. There's a moment, especially like to reflect on dark, sad things where when the mutos do like lay the eggs and I think the, the military blows them up. Yeah. They set Aaron, Aaron Taylor, Aaron, whatever sets them on fire and the mom muto like runs to the eggs and she lets out this horrible pained wail. And I was just like, Ah oh, man, humans suck. I hate that. Let <laughs> let let the eggs be. Just like uh, just leave them. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, but Connery, they're parasites. I I I don't. Yeah, I guess that's why they're so shitty looking. But I don't know. It's still a bummer. They obviously have feelings, and the mother yeah. obviously values her eggs and her children. So it's still like it'd be different if it was it was like a drone and it didn't care. But like that thing obviously cares for its young. <laughs> I'm from Buenos Aires, and I say kill them all. <laughs> yeah, what if the mutos are an analogy now from COVID? You know, like <laughs> viruses are a living thing. You know, like they have, like they're just trying to eat eat things in a way. You know? I, I, if you're gonna put it like that, then yes, I'm the bad man who says the virus should live. But no, I'm not saying that you're saying the virus should live. But it's just like, yeah, it's just like, well, it's putting empathy in a face on something, but. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like the uh, design of the mutos too because they're very angular, kind of like oh really like parasitic. I hate them. I Why? think they are very boring. Yeah, they're very bland. <sighs> I like. <laughs> it's I I really appreciate the ambition that they are nothing like we've seen before mm-hmm. in um in Godzilla lore, and especially since like so many of the Godzilla creatures um. Let's see, I'm trying to think of anybody that's not from Earth. Like, there's King Ghidorah, Mecha King Ghidorah, um, Space Godzilla. Who else is not from Earth? Like, so many is of the... Is Gigan uh, from Earth? No, Gigan is from space. You're right. Like, yeah. so many... But he still looks like something... Uh, he human, like, but like terrestrial? Yeah, yeah, terrestrial. And it's like, I still appreciate that the, uh, um, the Mutos are, like, look parasitic. And very mm-hmm. angular in a way. Like if you're looking on a microscopic level, I really like that a lot. I guess they're boring in like their color palettes and everything, but 
I think it works really well in terms of being like Godzilla's this very organic like mountain of a creature mm. fighting these like very angular things, you know, like they're very huge like contrasts. They're like he was like fighting a Christopher Nolan building to me. I was like a very bland, boring monster <laughs> versus a really cool Godzilla. Yeah, and it's like I feel like that fits thematically, and like I think you you also don't like how Godzilla looks, right, Connery? I I think he has a bit of a dog face in this one, like his really a pushed in muzzle, and I think he's like a little fat. But I kind of kind of watching this movie, I kind of came to terms with like he like just kind of woke up ish. And so he's got a little bit of the hibernation pounds on, probably. Because by the next, by like Godzilla King of Monsters, he's like slimmed down a little bit. He has more of a lizard face, which I like. But I'm not a big fan of his like general look, but I love his spikes. I like when his spikes are really big and long. That's probably my favorite aspect of the redesign that, that that's here. Apparently, they took inspiration from Komodo dragons and bears uh, with the look of like Godzilla's snout. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely see that, and you can also definitely feel they are trying to give her like a puppy dog look, sort of, where it's like this is the good one, this is the one that looks like a like something we'll like. Okay, that I'm, I'm you. You said her, so Godzilla is canonically female. Yes, I did not know that. Uh, cool. Godzilla is normally female. Yeah, cool. I like it. Yeah, I never know because like I've, <laughs> I've like looked into it too, and it's just like um, Komodo dragons are in are used parthenogenesis, which is like you're. They're able to lay eggs that hatch that are all male without any kind of fermentation. Huh. And I think, like, sometimes, like, a lot of, I I think more times than not, like, Godzilla is female. Sometimes they're agender, and then sometimes they're male. And it's, like, I think it was the 90s Godzilla that was, like, considered more male. I thought it was more female. Like, that one was definitely female because she laid eggs. No, not 1998, but I'm talking about oh. 90s. 90, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, it'd be, like, totally fair. I think it's gone from, like, with the Japanese language, it was referred to, like, with agender pronouns. Oh. Just because it's a monster, they didn't really care. And then yeah. from there, it's kind of switched back and forth. I may honestly just be coming out of my ass by saying that it's uh, that Godzilla is female at any point. But I do remember Godzilla has laid eggs and such, so. Yes. Yeah, or or hermaphroditic, like some like some animals, like fish or bugs, can do that thing where they switch genders to impregnate themselves and lay eggs. It's true. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. looks like a lizard. It might be to- something totally wild. Yeah, that's frog I mean, like, DNA spliced in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. god damn it! Is that the '98 Godzilla? <laughs> I don't think so. It's Godzilla's like it's like purely an iguana in the 1998 Godzilla. <laughs> What's the thing with like a uh, frog DNA? Oh, I'm thinking of Jurassic Park. That's what yeah, that that's is. what that's the joke I was making. <laughs> yeah, okay, thanks. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's so many notes that I wrote down for this movie, <laughs> but I What's don't know song? where where you all want to go with this. Tyler, um, I'm let, steer the ship, dude. Like, take us down Godzilla's avenue of destruction. <laughs> um. Okay, so this is the David Ehrlich review that I wanted to talk about. Oh, good. This is what I quoted. One of the most satisfying, well-paced, and beautifully directed blockbusters since Jurassic Park. A genuine spectacle of humility. Many complaining that the film abandons interest in its characters, but the perils of human egocentrism in the face of global crisis equals the entire point. Generally registers as the first post-human blockbuster. I almost feel like people have been conditioned to the explosive banality of contemporary 
tent poles. But if any $200 million monster movie is going to feel like a throwback, this is as fitting a choice as any. Hmm. That's a very hmm. good review. That's a glowing review. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really like his concept of post-human blockbuster, and I remember even when I saw this in theaters, I'm just like, yeah, humans fucking suck. They don't matter. <laughs> we do. I'm a, a human. We all fucking suck. Give me Godzilla, please. <laughs> Take me now. <laughs> Nuclear breath now. <laughs> Atoma <Yeah>. breath. <laughs> But um, I just really appreciate that it, it took a new take on Godzilla because I feel like that hasn't been like thoroughly explored in any of the other Godzilla movies. So it's like it was really interesting that like it decided to do something like this, like so um, not out of left field, but like really taking a chance on something for being the American Godzilla movie because the 98 Godzilla is very just like, hey, there's a big monster, let's go shoot it and blow it all up. It's like mm-hmm. very Roland, Emmer- Roland Emmerich kind of movie. You know, so it's like I really like I feel like this movie really expands the lore of Godzilla and like takes a different appreciation of him or her like you have Godzilla basically. It's just like it's like you say with Connery. Uh, <laughs> wow. It's like you say with Batman Connery where it's yes. just like every writer has a different perspective on Batman. And it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, that character has so many different facets that you can explore. And I feel like this is a completely new exploration of what Godzilla could be. Of just like fully nature, and then everything after this is like, yeah, let's just have the monsters fight because that was too much for people. <laughs> I, I I agree with you, Tyler, and I really like the idea of Godzilla being the power of nature, and I like that theme a lot in this movie. I just w- wished it was more forefront ish. I I guess if you can call yeah. me a dum dum for being like. I want that to be more front and center when it was obviously just there to begin with. But even for the common man who was just like, how come the monsters didn't fight more and they weren't on screen and all that stuff? I I just would have liked that idea to be more centered, maybe, I guess, or just maybe presented at the forefront more so than like, it's it's obviously there. It's obviously there. More more so I'm just saying like, I want everyone to understand. It could definitely be more clear in its intentions, and I, I'm probably reading too much into, like, the sub, um, I don't know, the sub-reading of this in a way. Because even, like, David Ehrlich goes, like, too too much into the point where it's just like, oh, yeah, like, people don't matter. Like, people are complaining about um, how the main characters kind of just, like, fade into the background by the end. Mm. And I'm just like, yeah, that's totally true, but I also just, like, like, the first half of this movie, especially the first third, is, like, a little... Um, boring for me because I just I always forget that Brian Cranston dies in the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> me too. And uh, I'm like, oh, that would be much better. And then like by the time it just ends up being all Godzilla, like I love the slow reveal of Godzilla, but I guess the actual like you have to alternate that with the focus on the humans. And mm-hmm. anytime Godzilla movies focus on like they don't ever like focus on humans solely. I guess maybe Shin Godzilla is one of the other movies that, like, really focus on humans the most. But, like, there's mm-hmm. always just, like, oh, yeah, like, the human characters never really matter in Godzilla movies. <laughs> they're just, like, true. there, and they're, like, well, we got to do this stuff. And it's just, like, whoa, all this stuff is happening. Like, they're mostly commenting on things. Yeah, I had a very uh, Zack Snyder-y thought where Ala, the semi-Superman cult that pops up in, I think, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice? I think that in the next Godzilla movie, this should have been some kind of cult of Godzilla that worships him as like a nature god, <laughs> and maybe that's there, and I missed that, or I don't remember. Uh, in in King of Monsters, the follow up to this, uh, there's not a cult that follows him, if I remember correctly, but there is. They do realize that 
King Ghidorah has been foretold by like every civilization ever throughout history as some sort of end times being. Mm. And so that's kind of what you're getting at, but not quite as uh, entertaining. Yeah, not quite as entertaining, because I love the idea of like just people like at the ocean worshipping him and being like, oh, Godzilla's here. Like our Lord and Savior Godzilla Christ has come ashore once again. Imagine you see those fins rip up to the water and you just go, oh, thank God. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I just, I like that. I like him being a kind of a semi-superhero, too, that causes a lot more destruction than most superheroes do. But <laughs> Not more like, than like, uh, Superman. No, not more than Superman, apparently. <laughs> uh, they're pretty much on par at that point. But, yeah, I, I, do, I do enjoy that. And I just had that silly Zack Snyder idea in my head of just being like, I would have liked a cult of Godzilla popping up, but it doesn't really happen. That's okay. But, hey, I love King Ghidorah, and I'm happy he's, he's hailed as an End Times character. I mean, it makes total sense that that would be a thing in the sequel. And unfortunately, I think they just end up being like too goofy because mm-hmm. I would, and also just like totally non cohesive. But um, <laughs> I would definitely be in a Godzilla cult. I think if Godzilla existed, <laughs> I, I fully believe that too. You'd be very much like, like yes, we are obsolete in, in the face of these like super. We literally beings. don't matter. And like, <laughs> yeah. why did we? You know, the only thing that's made me realize in recent times that, like, why, like, civilization really matters, like, not to get too deep or whatever, it's just, like, yeah, like, if we didn't have civilization, we probably wouldn't even have a vaccine to COVID, you know? Mm-hmm. And it would, like, the, all just in terms of diseases and everything, like, we'd probably be way more wiped out at this point. It's like, oh, oh yeah, like, society more. is good in some ways, you know? Well, we can't Tyler. just rely on everything being nature. <laughs> You're falling back on, like... I mean, you're betraying your Joker instincts by saying society is good. <laughs> what? What? I just I just watched this video today where Joker doesn't kill uh, Murray. He just pulls the gun and then nothing happens. <laughs> he, he pulls the gun and Murray goes to jail. What? He pulls the gun on Murray and then nothing happens and then it sh- cuts to Robert De Niro being very upset looking and then he just shoots Joker. <laughs> it's really great that is good uh, anyway sorry Ty. i feel like i detracted from your honestly like good no plea to society i'm just ranting at this point like this is exactly the godzilla that i want and it's kind of like what i've always felt so it's just kind of like fulfilling in a way where it's just like like <laughs> i don't know i don't want to be annoying but honestly like i feel like humans are just another animal on this planet and just because we have sentience we've taken advantage of that and like grown all over this this world you know in a way where it's just like oh we have all these cities and stuff and like i like for the longest time in my like when i was younger and so i'm like oh that's just like this sucks like you know like we have to appreciate everything on this planet like i basically have a fern goalie mentality <laughs> but i'm like oh no like it there are some benefits obviously to this because uh if we didn't have society we'd a lot more of us would be dead because of modern medicine and everything, you know. It's true. Out, so. Organization and all that jazz. I'm surprised you don't like Shin Gojira more if you like uh, society being burned to rubble. Because <laughs> Shin Gojira is not a hero in any sense. That, like, he's, yeah. that in, from the visual design to the pacing of that movie to how it's portrayed... That is a monster that you are meant to be scared of. It is meant to look like it's not from this earth. It is, it is meant to be the ultimate in, like, this is what's going to destroy us. This is mm-hmm. the end. 
Yeah, and there's like been several instances of Godzilla being like a destroyer, you know. And um, I, I don't, I don't want humanity to burn to the ground. That's not how I feel. <laughs> I just feel like I like the idea of like there being a Godzilla cult in the second movie because it's kind of like. It's like the end of the Grinch where everyone's like Daru Dore. <laughs> they're all singing around, but they're worshiping yeah. Godzilla instead. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just like, hey, have a little bit more respect for nature. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for anybody to die. That's horrible. But it's just like I feel like society as a whole, especially like American society, doesn't really appreciate like this earth that we live on as much. And I know that like sounds really hippie-ish, but it's just like, come on, like we're like what. I don't know. In a way, like, what makes this more important than all these trees and stuff? Like, I have, I have two things, that I'm, two combo things I'm going to compare you right now to, Tyler. Yeah. First off, you're going to love, like, I think, after, vol- after this compendium of, of, like, Hulk, of Immortal Hulk, you're going to really like the direction it takes, first off. <laughs> and second, your, your speech reminded me of one of my, fa- one, probably my, my favorite bad guy in the series, Invincible named dinosaurus and his whole thing is literally being like society's good but also too much of it is bad and so i'm gonna do whatever it takes to kind of like balance the scales and be kind of like a semi-godzilla force i'm going to explode las vegas all of it and turn it make the bomb so white hot that it turns vegas into like a literal layer of glass and then we're going to build solar panels there and it'll like double the energy output because it'll be reflecting yeah. the sun up both sides <laughs> and then and the, then he goes a little he has a couple more plans like that that are like oh that was really bad but something really good came from that and then in the in the very end i think it's like called ends of the earth where he literally blows up greenland and like floods the whole west and east coast and he's, he's like he's thanos but with a plan yeah, he's Thanos is like a really solid plan and a scary argument where you're like, yeah, you're kind of right, dude. <laughs> but another thing I liked is his his alter ego is is kind of hulky as well, where he's like this like kind of teen dude who kind of looks like you too, funny enough, Tyler. Except how he turns into dinosaurs is with apathy, and so if, if he gets to be like like, eh, I don't care, then he turns into dinosaurs. It's awesome. I've never heard of an apathetic eco-terrorist. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. The, if you haven't read the Invincible series or even heard of it, uh, especially Al or Tyler, I know I've ranted to you about it a bunch, but it, yeah. it's a must-read in my opinion. Yeah, I'm definitely not. <laughs> I'm definitely not an eco-terrorist. Just for everyone, so everyone's clear. <laughs> I just want people to be more aware of like the for environment legal purposes. <laughs> yes, <you're- laughs> like. What you're proposing is kindness and a general awareness and love for the environment. <laughs> yeah, and I think on a thematic and and a metaphorical level, Godzilla in Godzilla 2014 makes sense in terms of representing that. And he's also not just like trying to destroy people. He's just like no. a big chunky dino that like fights amitas because they're parasites. Mm-hmm. So it's just like nature. But um. He even has like an annoyed look yeah. at humans. Where like it's, even when he looks at Aaron, he's just like, "All right, back to work." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff like you said, Alfonso, like with like Godzilla getting all hurt and then looking at Aaron Taylor Johnson, that kind of feels forced. But I still just really like the visual of that. <laughs> but I'm also just like, a, this is just like I'm the sucker for this movie, you know? I, I do really like that, and I really like how they portray it. There is, at the very end of the movie, they completely undercut any message they were trying to send about Godzilla existing, like, above us. Because at the very end, when Godzilla is leaving San Francisco and going into the water, mm-hmm. 
He's literally escorted by like fighter planes and helicopters and stuff, and it like plays like superhero music. It feels like something out of the Avengers, <laughs> and it just completely ruins that entire message because it's like, oh yeah, look, we're friends with them now. We're homies. <laughs> we're homies. Oh. <laughs> like he doesn't even know you're there. You didn't help. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I guess I was I was totally uh, overwhelmed in a way by the ending and just that like. Godzilla just slowly goes underneath the water and there's just silence. And it's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, nature is balanced again. And I also like it when Godzilla gets his gets their ass whooped in movies. Like one of my favorite Godzilla movies is Godzilla versus Biolante. And uh Godzilla just <laughs> doesn't even win. <laughs> like he, they just get the shit beaten out of them and then goes back into the ocean at the end of the movie. But like by other means Biolante is is uh defeated in a way or just like absorbs itself. I've never um, heard of Biolante. What is that creature? Like what does that look like? It's uh let me tell you, it's a scientist, <laughs> like a botanist created a way to put like his daughter's DNA into a plant, and then somehow yes. that became a giant plant kaiju, which is oh, one of the biggest already. monsters in Godzilla lore. And then also it becomes a big rose and just becomes the face of his daughter at the end <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> it, it's like it's, it's wild. It's Little Shop of Horrors, yeah, but on Godzilla <laughs> scale. Yep, and then it has like an alligator face most of the time. Yeah, oh, that's it, fantastic. I love it. It's like basically my analog for like Swamp Thing of Godzilla, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I like that a lot. That's good. That's good shit. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I like it a lot, even though it's like a very 80s movie. But um, I don't know. What what, what else about... Like, did you... Like, I, you know, even after this movie being like, what, seven years old now at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much it's tied to like Fukushima and everything, just in terms of like the uh, nuclear fallout and disaster um it didn't feel forced to me in this but i'm curious of what your opinions were of that and like grounding this world in a way that like it relates it to real life i i was actually i was surprised when i rewatched this because i didn't remember it having that much like early relevance with nuclear disaster which it kind of completely forgets in the second half of the movie, and they start talking about nukes like it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but in the first half, it like you have that opening sequence with the nuclear fallout at, uh, at that reactor in Japan. And then they go back, and it's actually treated with a shocking amount of reverence when they're walking through like the, the fallout zone. And going through the homes, and they find their own house, and there's the really dumb tie-in with Mothra. Yeah, I, I wonder, like, is that thing Mothra? Is it just named Mothra by coincidence? I don't. Wait, and then they completely dropped that idea. What's the tie-in? <laughs> I missed it. So oh, when man. they go through their house, uh, they're looking through uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's like old room, bedroom, and there's a what, what is it called? A terrarium? Yeah, a terrarium for like a school project. And it says moth on it, and then has like R-A literally scribbled onto it. Wow, I, t- I guess I missed that. That's weird. And everyone freaked out about it at the time, saying like, oh my god, they confirmed Mothra for the next movie. And then in the next movie, Mothra has nothing to do with that. 
No, Mothra yeah. is very much like an ancient being that's always existed. <laughs> yeah, it, it just they just wanted God. to give a little bit of fan service. King mm. of the Monsters is so confusing. <laughs> it but, really but, is. But anyways, out Mothra aside, <laughs> they they treat that scene with a lot of uh, a lot of importance to it. And despite them kind of dropping the idea in the latter half of the movie, I do really like that, and I agree with you. Yeah, it's like that and Ken Watanabe's character being like, oh, like, this is my dad's stopwatch. He was at Hiroshima and everything. Like, yeah. all this stuff is, like, really great. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel too overly dark. Like, that's the thing with, like, obviously we haven't covered these yet, but the difference between Chris Nolan and, like, Man of Steel, where it's just, like, I don't know, like, one, I definitely buy a lot more. Maybe, I like, I need to watch the Dark Knight movies again, but, like... They're not nearly as grim and oppressive as Man of Steel. Like, it, it, there's a darkness, but there's also a very prevalent bit of hope there. And you know that Batman's yeah. making a difference. Versus Superman, in Zack Snyder's eyes, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, the world will be a burning piece of shit. And most likely, it'll be your yeah. fault. It's funny, though, because with Man of Steel, there's a similar level of destruction, in, I would say, as oh, yeah. there is in Godzilla 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have Godzilla King of Monsters as well, which arguably has more destruction, but is the similar scale. And King of Monsters and Man of Steel are very similar in the way they treat it, and they just kind of hand wave away all the human life and infrastructure cost that happens. <laughs> but 2014 actually does a very good job of... You see these people die, and mm-hmm. they're like it does not just kind of ignore it. When but I think Godzilla comes out of the water for the first time, there's a tsunami and just there is hundreds of people die, yeah. and I was just like, Jeez yeah, Louise, it's, yeah, like that's yeah. how it's it like would he's be. he's the good guy, but then like the father sees like the tsunami coming, he's like, oh, we got to get out of here, and then you just see like bodies in the water, mm-hmm. and there's like a lot of like kind of like 9/11 imagery mixed with. Um, I I rewatched that scene uh, before we started recording because I was kind of reviewing notes that I took, and that's. That specific scene is so well done in how there's fast-paced music and then it just all cuts and all you hear is like the the alarm klaxons on the on the carrier that Ken Watanabe is on. Yeah. And you hear the water rippling as you watch Godzilla go underneath. And then as the tsunami comes to shore, all the music cuts back. Like and it's just deafening at that point. Yeah, it's very good that part's very well done you're just like oh you, you it's you're literally grappling with like nature incarnate at that point exactly yeah i feel like this movie has some like <laughs> to tie it back into batman v superman but also <laughs> cloverfield like it has a lot of like 9-11 kind of imagery with with especially that scene where all the people are just like enveloped in the water outside the window mm-hmm. um which is definitely you can just absolutely tell it's with intention in batman v superman but also um War of the Worlds, Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds is also like kind of, it's absolutely like a post 9-11 movie, just the way like the uh, the paranoia and just all the destruction in that movie mm-hmm. up to like there's explosions in the hillside in this movie, much like in War of the Worlds when his son runs mm-hmm. off and also um, the fiery train in both of these movies. Yeah. Yes. Like I could tell that Gareth Edwards has definitely had seen War of the Worlds like if he hadn't, I'd be like, oh, really? Because it, it definitely <laughs> seems that way. And I feel like War of the Worlds is definitely underrated as a film, like the 2005 version. Like, I, I'm not going to say it's perfect or anything. Like, the last third, I feel like, eventually sags, but, like, or definitely sags. But 
there's a lot of just very visceral imagery in that movie that's very terrifying. Yeah. And I like the, the the War of the Worlds remake as well, Tyler. The the Blood World is what really stuck with me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just Gareth Edwards as a director, like this was his second movie. In his first movie, like he was a VFX um, artist and editor uh, before becoming a director, and he directed like the indie kaiju movie Monsters. Have you guys seen that? No. I did not. You mentioned it to me in passing, and I looked it up, and I saw that he did the uh, VFX for that pretty much in his bedroom, yeah. which I'm blown away by. Yeah, and like he would like edit every day because like a lot of the movie was shot in like Mexico and like um, Central America and everything, so they would just like edit in the hotel every single night and everything. It's like very like low budget, but it looks so good considering that. I think it's like a really great like kind of almost art house kaiju movie. Um, it's definitely slow paced in that, like, it's very much like a slow burn. So, but it's also an hour and a half. So, but I'm also just like a, such a sucker for like kaiju movies. So I really enjoyed it. Um, it could be a little I, bit more fast paced in some ways, but just considering what it is, it's like, okay, I get why they hired him on for Godzilla. And it's one of those, um, small circumstances where hiring like it's such a thing nowadays in Hollywood to hire a director who's made like one movie that's like kind of low budget but like pretty dang good you know Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. have them direct like Spider-Man Far From Home or whatever totes which I like Far From Home a lot you know but seems like every director being hired now is either some relatively unproven indie director or it's Zack Snyder (laughs) yeah Can't wait for Martin Scorsese's Marvel movie. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to have to be tricked to do that, and I can't wait for the day when that happens. Or, like, he by mistake does, like, the the question or something. Yeah, I mean, that'd be cool. Him doing the question? Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's just like, it's like, that's why I love so much that uh, Sam Raimi is doing Doctor Strange 2. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's, like, so cool. It's like finally a veteran director and it's Sam Raimi above everything else, but. Um, it's like Gareth Edwards, like, you know, he did a kaiju movie. Like, that's such a rare, unique thing to do on a low budget. Mm -hmm. Um, the only other thing I can think of on that scale is, like, (laughs) Big Man Japan, which I love a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys seen that? I haven't heard that name in a long time, but I'm very familiar with it from you. (laughs) Oh, no, yeah, you watch, I made you watch it, Connor. Yes, yes. (laughs) What a friend. (laughs) What a friend. (laughs) Have you seen that, Alfonso? Uh... I haven't seen the whole thing, unfortunately. I have like seen clips. clips. Yeah, that's all, that's all that really matters. <laughs> you just yeah, you get monsters. the YouTube highlights, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's fine. It's just a very it's a man who grows very large and then just talks to kaiju instead of fighting them. Like, hey, stop that! <laughs> it's pacifist Ultraman. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ooh, okay, okay. I need to find that. It's not Ultraman, but it is. Let's see. The uh, Overman King Gainer. Uh, we'll keep going with this conversation but I need to find that movie that I really enjoyed (laughs) the movie with the thing in it with the part the The, the guy who who did the thing the thing that nobody wants (laughs) fan four stick where was I going with my whole long speech oh I don't know (laughs) you meandered there (laughs) oh man um, I like that Godzilla's big chonky boy. He's a big submarine sandwich, especially when he's all hurt at the end. <laughs> he's a big submarine sandwich. <laughs> he's just like meatball eh. sub looking. A big old meatball sub. Um, there's a there's a bit in it with the uh, 
radiation. I'm, I'm kind of mad at Monarch in general in this movie because they act like they know nothing about these monsters, even though they've had one for 15 years. And they just have learned apparently nothing, which made me really upset. And they're like, I don't, like when the creature breaks, they're like, it's breaking out. I'm like, well, you've been feeding it radiation for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, why are they doing that? Like, and they're like, well, if we were scared if we killed it, it'd leak all the radiation. I'm like, then why do you keep feeding it? Just leave it dormant and it won't hatch. <laughs> Just, ugh. Like, we're studying it by feeding it the thing that'll make it wake up. And I'm like, is that all they're doing here? I don't, I don't know. Part of me also wishes they saved an egg, like some evil person grabbed an egg from the monarch, the monarch, the, the mutos egg sack and was like, I will raise this and it will help me be like my... Olympus has fallen terrorist cell attack the country <laughs> at some point. <laughs> These are things that happen in my brain. I'm sorry. So Alfonso, what else do you love about this movie? Are, are you happy with the amount of monsters shown? Do you wish it was some more well-known monster instead of the Mutos? Like, do you have anyone you'd like to slot in here instead? Ultimately, I feel like the, the Mutos are a safe but disappointing option. I, mm-hmm. I think that their designs were different, but I found them really bland. Same. Uh, which Tyler isn't here to defend anymore. <laughs> it's perfect. We can both talk about how much we hate the Muto design. Uh, as far as wanting a different monster, I actually like that they didn't include any big name monsters because oh, they were trying to introduce like a new Godzilla, and I mm. feel like trying to distract from that by throwing in Rodan or anything else would have just completely sidetracked that entirely and not given Godzilla the time that they needed. I can agree with that, yeah. Like, th- Especially maybe throwing him up against something that's so, like, not cookie-cutter, but just geometric and so stark yeah. compared to him. And it just makes his design shine all the more bright compared to them. Exactly. Like Godzilla looks powerful compared to them. They look like... Mm-hmm. They, they're made to look kind of insect-y, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. And... The fact that they fight by climbing on its on Godzilla's back and everything mm-hmm. is just perfect to show just the scale of how like insanely more powerful Godzilla is, and they have to resort to these dirty tricks in order to mm-hmm. get any sort of hits in. Yeah, there are bits I like with the, how bug like they are. Like there's the there's the part where like the, the male Muto like lands on the building, and it just like with that that mm-hmm. really bug like landing, it just half of it like collapses and he just goes like, ah! it's great. So you mean <sighs> like why do you, why do you guys not like the Mutos that much? I just think they're ugly. But they're supposed to be ugly. <laughs> I want them to be ugly in a cool way, though. <laughs> they're they're. Uh, I was telling I was telling Connery. I feel like they they were a safe design that was visually distinct from Godzilla and helped contrast how just how strong Godzilla is. Mm-hmm. But I just was ultimately uninterested in them, and every time I don't watch this movie, I'll, I will promptly forget the word Mudo. <laughs> I keep pronouncing it Muto, so it is Muto. That's how it's pronounced. That sounds more right than Muto. <laughs> the only reason I know is because, like I said, I reviewed the movie right before we started. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Muto. I'll remember that. Yeah. Which is like, I jumping ahead again, I think there's some Mutos at the end of King of the Monsters. I'm like, what the hell? Like, did Godzilla even do anything? Like, but it's well, also the classic. A parasite. It's a classic thing of, like, the origin story of a superhero or something, and then they're just, like, way stronger later. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the first enemy you fight, and then they come back to haunt you later on. But, you know, but most you... superheroes can't do that anymore because they murder all their supervillains right off the bat. 
It's true. They just snap their necks. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> everyone. It's I, I hate that. It's, it's one of my least favorite things about the superhero movie genre is that they kill their bad guys, and it I, I resent it so much because I'm just like you. You're not, no. You didn't think that one of the best scenes in Batman versus Superman is the scene where Batman pulls out a literal AK-47 and mows down a crowd of people? Yeah, I <laughs> don't like that. What? <laughs> that happens in that movie, if you don't remember. I, Wait, I remember what, him what pointing movie? that big like, Gatling gun at that guy. And it's very it's that scene out of Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns where he points a gun and the guy's like, you don't think I'll do it to like, the hostage? And he goes... I believe you, and the the thing is, you're supposed to think he shot him, but I, I don't know if you're a Batman fan. He obviously didn't shoot. Oh, him. I thought yeah. you're saying Matt. I thought you're saying Superman had like an AK-47. <laughs> no, <laughs> like Batman. what the hell? Batman. <laughs> I, I, it's just like it, it always irks me the wrong way. Like, so I, I don't think mm. Captain America's killed people, right? He definitely has, though. He's, He's absolutely has. He he yeah. straight up absolutely. shoots people with his pistol in World War Two. You remember? Fuck. Well, it, that that's war. Those were Nazis. They don't count. count. That. That, those <laughs> yeah, are Nazis. that's true. I, I'm talking about his superhero career as Captain America. Uh, I mean, mm. from just brain trauma in general, he's probably killed people. Yeah, well, let, let, let's not count that. Let's pretend like he's like his shield, like Batman's fists and explosive gadgets don't kill people. Like I, I don't I think he's one of the only Marvel characters who hasn't killed somebody. Him and Spider Man, I think, are the only ones who haven't been, just been outright murderers throughout their Marvel career. You know, one thing I do really like about the new Spider Man movies is that like none of the heroes well, never mind. None of the villains, I mean <laughs> easily confused <laughs> with the heroes, right? Yeah. Um <laughs> I was gonna say none of them die, but Jake Gyllenhaal dies. So Yeah, and that really it. irked me. I was, I was like, this is Spider Man. He doesn't let people die. He doesn't like when people die. And so when Jake Gyllenhaal died, I was like, oh, come on. Yeah, like but also Green Goblin dies in the first one, which I, I actually like that death because he just goes, "Oh, he, yeah." He and he kills himself. Like it, it's his own yeah. anger and fury that kills him. And I don't know. And, and again, in those movies, it just bugs me because they have like suicidal deaths in those where Jake Jake Gyllenhaal kills himself too. He doesn't get shot yeah. by his own drones. He does. He gets shot by his own drone. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's it's a suicidal death, but it bugs me either way. I think it's a lame cop out when villains either die by suicide because i like the idea of them coming back to get us back on the train of kaiju movies you said there's mo- there's they're coming back and destroy all monsters or whatever uh not destroy all monsters sorry king of monsters you see them in the end of that kind of ish i i like the opportunity for villains to come back and be a little different like it irks me to know when that we won't ever see killmonger again because he's dead and i'm like i think that character is so yeah. much more to explore and we'll never see that person again because he is dead I mean, that's a whole other thing. It's like, I have no idea what's going to happen with Black Panther 2. Because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Shira is going to take over the, the mantle, I believe, which it's funny enough. I, I pitched to Jacob after we saw Black Panther. I'm like, yeah, and Shira is going to be Black Panther probably in the second one or something, or like as a spinoff. And he was like, no, she'll never be Black Panther. That's not, it's, it's Chadwick Boseman. I'm like, well, yeah, but. I think th- yeah. I think she should be Black Panther at some point, and they they're looking at her to be the new Black Panthers, which is, I'm like tight. I mean, eventually, with 99 percent of the Marvel universe, if they want to keep making their billions off of it, they're gonna have to learn how to transfer, believably, like mantles mm-hmm. from person to person. Oh, absolutely. they're already doing that with uh, with, with uh, the n- new Thor movie, sort of. They're yeah, they're going they're... into the whole uh, Fem Thor plotline, mm-hmm. which yeah. I really loved as a comic. Oh yeah, that one's so great. Um, it, Jason Aaron is amazing, and that whole 
Jane Foster as Thor is just incredible. That run is like super good. So I'm, I'm excited for Natalie Portman to do that too. Yeah, and so Shuri becoming Black Panther is totally within what I feel like they're going to start doing with the majority of their heroes eventually because mm -hmm. they have to. We'll get like Ironheart for uh, Iron Man's replacement. Um, who else? I don't know who else. I, I think there's some new Hulk running around whose name I can't place right now, but it, it, it'd definitely be interesting. Either that or they'll just do the really safe move and just reboot the entire franchise at like 10 years down the line or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd love an, I'd love a new Hulk movie with like red Hulk and uh, well, there's going to be a she Hulk TV show and also Kamala Khan TV show. Yeah, and she's right. going to be in the Avengers and everything. So if they cool. did like a Hulk TV show, a la like immortal Hulk, that'd be pretty freaking rad. Just watching Mark Ruffalo lose his ever loving mind <laughs> on the big screen. That'd be so good. Even if it's like a reboot of the original Hulk show where it's just he just goes city or town to town being like, oh, I'm on the run, but I have to help people out. Like, I would That'd like be that great. Love that. Man, um, really Godzilla on the run, going town to town, <laughs> annihilating yeah, every too. city. <laughs> Waving as he goes back to the sea. <laughs> he's a he a big submarine sandwich i also wrote in all cops <laughs> on all cops wow. wow i also wrote in all caps godzilla is a good boy that need to sleep at the end <laughs> i think i said that too like bye i'm going to bed <laughs> i wrote like full sentences i had like uh i i made sure to put them in groups based off of like what i was talking about and you're in your notes going godzilla sandwich <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why you're like oh i wrote down so many notes i'm like yeah some of mine are really stupid one of my notes here says burn all the babies in reference to the military setting all the parasite babies on fire hey our oh pal nick viverka creator of our theme song and music <laughs> also when this movie came out he texted me he was like yeah that's just from godzilla 1998 i'm like yeah you're you're right <laughs> they also burn all the eggs in that movie because he likes 1998 a lot, too. Good. Is Nick going to be on for one of these? <laughs> yeah, he'll be on the Patreon episode for 1998. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> In two years from now. Uh, why do you like that that one, Connery? Why? <laughs> I don't, you know what? I'll be honest. I just literally like the design of that Godzilla a lot. I think that's the only thing that really sticks with my memory. I had that toy, and I had really fun watching it when I was a kid. And... So it's it's for no sophisticated reason other than I still like the design of that Godzilla in mind. I like that she's just a big um, Galapagos iguana just mutated to like <laughs> the nth degree. <laughs> so that's pretty much my only reason. I, I like the way she looks. I think it's different from all the other Godzillas, and I like her, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, very different. Um, because, I mean, how many other Godzilla movies have you seen? To be honest, I think it's this series and 1998 Godzilla, and I think that's about the extent of it. Maybe I've seen like a little bit of Space Godzilla, but I think that's otherwise it. Like when I was young, I'd literally just watch 98 over and over and over again. Yeah. So I think, I think that's why the staying power is there for me. <laughs> I think Nick too. <laughs> um, I think I had a VHS of 98. Everyone did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure I remember watching that on repeat for a year or two. Mm -hmm. It's just fun. Like it's you don't have to think about it that much. And like when you when you're a kid and you watch that movie, you're just like, yeah, big monster try to get killed. We gotta stop big scary monster. Oh, big scary raptor babies. <laughs> hey, this whole cast is from The Simpsons. This <laughs> <laughs> whole cast is from The Simpsons. Um, I I I guess I grew up. 
I was uh, privileged to have grown up with the VHSs of the, especially the 90s Godzilla movies, the Japanese ones, because um, uh, my, my cousins, my two younger cousins, and also Chessa, who's been on here a couple times on the Twilight episodes. Oh, Chessa. Um, I would have sleepovers at their place when I was like, you know, 12 or whatever, and we'd watch Godzilla VHSs. They had like a whole, uh, whole closet full of them. So I guess that's how that's that was my personal immediate affinity with Godzilla is just watching them with my cousins when we were little mm. and having sleepovers and stuff. So that was really nice. So that that reminds um, me of something earlier. We were talking about Power Rangers. I remember I would watch Power Rangers with my cousins, and I remember that we would watch this on this little TV in their kitchen nook. It was like so tiny, but we'd watch it. And I remember at one point. I was thinking about switching rangers from being the red ranger to the, I think, the green ranger? Because he has a dragon zord, and I thought that was really tight. And <laughs> yes, then the dragon the zord got, like, hijacked or something or, and brainwashed. And my cousin was like, well, sorry, I guess you don't have that that one anymore. So uh, I guess you don't have a ranger. And I'm like, you guys! And I like, lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that very intensely in my mind, just, like, losing my mind and being like, no! I gave up one, now I have none! <laughs> Yeah, I remember. Uh, I I remember there was a uh, there was a Power Rangers movie called Forever Red, where it's a team up Ooh. of all the generations of Red Rangers. Oh, sick! Wow. And so me and my friends in like elementary school would always argue <laughs> over who got to be the Red Ranger, and then we found out about that movie, and it just opened up the world for us. We could all be the Red Ranger. Yeah, it that's fantastic. Magic. It's magic. I guess we we're gonna have to cover the Power Ranger movies at some point. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I'm so down for that when we get over this only new only new franchise kick that we're on but <laughs> yeah well you know there's finally movies coming out again like i feel exactly. like this is a good place to start honestly mm-hmm. like regardless of how i feel about the sequels of this movie in this franchise like i feel like it's a good place to start being like oh i recognize these characters like okay that's Jador- king jidora like you know that no, kind I of like very agree. simplistic stuff um I feel like this is a good place to start for someone who hasn't seen a lot of the Godzilla movies, and then we mm-hmm. can work backwards from there. <laughs> yeah, love it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Genius. But yeah, I like King Ghidorah a lot, so that's probably the only reason why I like King of why I like King of Monsters because King Ghidorah is in it, and he's my favorite monster other than Gigan. They're both from space. Both from space, not of this world. <laughs> um, I, feel I think like, they're rad. I feel like there's some things like visually from this movie that are just very much like of the time in a way. Like I feel like this movie really works. Like it doesn't feel dated, even though it's it's like seven years old at this time. And and I feel like when a movie gets to be about like eleven years old, you're just like, hmm. Like maybe kind of like the first Iron Man almost feels a little dated at this point. Ooh. But I I still love that movie. But um, like okay, so yeah, this movie came in 2014 and. I feel like a lot of certain visual cues come from movies that came out around that time, including Bus on a Bridge, which is very Dark Knight Rises. Ooh. With, like, the whole sequence of the bus trying to get off the bridge. And then also the uh, bomb going off in the ocean. Very Dark Knight, very yeah. Dark Knight Rises, yeah. yeah. Which came out two years before this. And it's just, like, I don't even feel like it's necessarily, like, a rip-off thing. But, like, there's something weird that happens with big-budget movies where they just kind of, like, end up copying each other that, like, came out immediately. Like, even if it's, like, completely coincidental, it's weird how that stuff happens. But yeah, also, like I, like, I love this movie. But, like, a nuke goes off, like, not that far from San Francisco. And I'm like, I... How, like, how is this going to be okay? Like, people are going to still be irradiated, you know? Mm, I feel like this should have just been a whole nother 
thing. I don't know. Like it's it's like to me, it's like Mission Impossible Fallout, where there's literally a moment where, where you think they fail in in their mission, and there's that yeah. scene on like the TV where like this city got like it got bombed. It, it's gone. Like it's just destroyed. And then Wolf and Blitzer was, shows up and is like, Godzilla is yeah. actually fine. Yeah, Godzilla's like, exactly. And I was, I was just like, I was like, oh, come on. I, I felt so robbed during that moment, right? I would love That's the fair. consequence and to give these heroes so much to be like, we yeah. failed. A city's gone. Like, we have to win now. Especially with, like, I love in King of Monsters for that thing to show up. Like, San Francisco is nigh uninhabitable now, un- uninhabitable now because a nuclear bomb went off, like, just only a few miles offshore. Like, t- we can't live there anymore. It's fine. They can just let Godzilla use it as a spa for a few hours. He'll soak it all up. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'm curious about that because they because the area with the Mudo is completely non-irradiated anymore because it's eating all the radiation. So I'm like, is that just a thing? And the kaijus just like suck it all up? Mm. Yeah, that's why in King of Monsters they show Godzilla's den is that like underground volcano area mm-hmm. that Ken Watanabe goes into. And gets right. to pet Godzilla because Godzilla's a good boy. <laughs> yeah, he's a good salami boy or whatever Tyler. Said. So, so like Godzilla found its its like permanent renewable energy source, while mm-hmm. the Mutos just kind of suck it up from wherever they find it. Right. Okay. So, so then it, it would it's it's to stand that Godzilla could just chill in the San Francisco Bay and eat that energy and then go home and then it'd all be fine. That's cool. I can live with that. Because he's from a time that when when the world is ten times more radioactive. And mm-hmm. the uh, current Godzilla is smaller than the the one from back then when they find like the big skeleton. Oh shit! Like, so oh, that was an old Godzilla. Bigger. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was like a big snake from the look of its bones. No, I guess it's just like a massive Godzilla. Which shit. um, I like that a lot about this movie too because it plays into the lore of Godzilla. Like Manila aside, like even in Godzilla versus Destroya. Um, which I forgot to point out that like the, a lot of the nineties Godzilla movies just kind of rip off American blockbusters in a lot of ways. <laughs> like Godzilla versus destroy is very much just aliens. Um, but at least in this first half and then it ends up being like, you know, uh, spoilers for Godzilla versus destroy. <laughs> but Godzilla no. has like, a, <laughs> has like a, a meltdown at the end and just dies, you know? But then there's a new one for Godzilla, the Millennium series. So because he he's like born out of that one or oh. has a kid. I guess it is Manila, but. I like the Godzilla <laughs> Millennium design a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Mm. He looks cool. They, they kind of underhandedly connect the original Godzilla movie to this one mm-hmm. in, in how they, they reference the events in the past. But they don't really overtly acknowledge it outside of that. And so it kind of becomes weird where you're like, how do not more people know about this? Like, why isn't this a thing? If if the movie if the events of the original movie happened, what's up? What's up? <laughs> right, because like um the nineteen ninety eight one is still it involves a bikini like nuclear reaction like the bikini the whole like nuclear bombing yeah. it's like oh it's like oh it was a they nuked a komodo dragon and then it became godzilla <laughs> and then this one is like oh no they used that bomb to kill godzilla but it didn't really it just he just ate it and got sleepy <laughs> perfect yeah brilliant so i i like how it's like tangential in that way and also to that point ken wanabi's character his name is dr ishiro sirizawa and that's named both after Ishiro Honda, the original director of Godzilla, and Sarazawa was the doctor from 
uh, the first Godzilla from 1954 who has to go underwater and like use the antimatter bomb thing. Someone's going to call Correct. me on that because that's not what it's called. But <laughs> antimatter bomb that sounds tight. Uh, the anti-oxygen or whatever. Yeah, the oxygen destroyer thing. Yeah. Whoa. That sounds good too. That's how yeah, you Connery. The 1954 Godzilla is like so fucking good. That's like the best one. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds sick. Yeah, I'm into that. Which one were you saying yeah. has the fairies in it too, where they have to pray to the fairies or whatever? Basically, anything with Mothra. <laughs> <laughs> Way to just hard call out the homie like that. <laughs> hard call out the homie Mothra. <laughs> Pixie powered. Um. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you guys have anything like any scenes that come to mind? For this movie that you liked or really didn't like a lot because i feel like i've just been overriding with how positive i'm about this movie but i totally understand that like i sh- like there are things that aren't great but well i'm pouring through my notes. a lot of it is me being sad that brian cranston it does in fact die in this movie and yeah. then uh, i feel like it's really dark it might just be my tv settings but i felt like it was really really dark i struggled to see a lot of it but that could have just been my bad on my on my part. I think it's I think it's both because it is shot very like um, just very like it it's like imagine that world where Godzilla like the only thing lighting Godzilla is just the fires he created by destroying mm-hmm. things. You know, it's, it's very so cool. It's a good choice, but I'm like I wish I could see him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I totally I totally understand, especially if you're watching it during the day. And mm-hmm. but there's so many instances in this movie where I'm like, oh, I, I want to watch this in the theater right now. Like especially mm-hmm. the sound design. Like, just, like, the first time you really see him at the airport in Hawaii, and he, like, mm-hmm. does the roar. He does the roar later, and I really like the sound of his roar. I like the sound of the Mudos a lot. It's very uh, it's, it's very unique how the Mudos sound. They sound like and, whales, kind of. Yeah, actually, I, I couldn't think of a word to describe them, but, like, aquatic is mm-hmm. pretty accurate. Yeah, like the... <laughs> it sounds like sonar, weird. almost. Yeah, like yeah. sonar. And that's what Brian Cranston, like, the sonar, like, a bat, and, like, the underwater one sounds like a whale. It's good. Yeah, it's like insectoid, yeah. insectoid plus like sonar or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Godzilla's sonar. roar is enough to make some people pee themselves, and I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I remember. Uh, I, I remember, and so I, I looked it up. There's, there's one of the directors was talking about how they did the roar for the movie, and apparently after the Foley artists uh, like figured out the right combination of things. They uh they rolled out Rolling Stone stage equipment onto the Warner Bros. backlot, <laughs> and just started blasting the roar at full volume. <laughs> and apparently, people from nearby neighborhoods called the police, thinking the world was ending. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. And that tells me that they definitely had it like the right idea when they were working on that sound. That they mm-hmm. were like, this needs to sound like every dinosaur ever in all time is roaring at you all at once. <laughs> it does sound like that. And it's super good. There's that yeah. part, I think, when he when he arrives in Hawaii and he does the big roar, and he is much more of like a symbol of like just destruction and power, where I wanted that roar and to see people's like eardrums just like bursting and like bleeding or something down their like side of yeah. their heads. I was just like, I thought about he is that, just yeah. raw power, like windows just breaking at like the sheer volume of his sound. I wanted people yeah. to be like, oh, God, like, but nobody really reacted. I'm like, that would blow yeah. your eardrums. And like, and like, that would annihilate you. Like, yeah. deaf people are now, like, a big thing now in this area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, right before, like, a mi- uh, hour 40 into the movie, uh, when Godzilla's first fighting the Mutos, 
like all the sound just like leaves the movie and then just the roar comes through and there's like almost like a boat groaning noise at the very end of the roar mm-hmm. that just drags on and it's like oh my god they they had fun with this i yeah, really like, like this I, I like the scene a lot where they're they do that paratroop dive where they're like going down mm-hmm. like the flares i yeah. like that scene a lot and initially in my head i had it as something else i remember the trailers was like oh my god they're gonna land on godzilla and like drill bombs into him or something like rad or or to like help him maybe to like do something or other but i thought they're gonna land on him and it'd be kind of cool or like humanity helping godzilla or trying to kill him in like a very microscopic sense but yeah, yeah. that's we gotta go inside godzilla that's what i thought was going to happen <laughs> That's that's the one thing I will say about, like, <laughs> I don't even want to be too cool on this, but <laughs> the one thing I'll say about the 1998 Godzilla is, like, at least there's the smaller Godzillas in it, mm-hmm. like the Godzilla babies, but more so Cloverfield. Like, Cloverfield monster has drones that come out of it, mm-hmm. so there's smaller adversaries, and in this, it's like, oh, like, yeah, the soldiers, like, they're landing. Like, that scene visually is so cool, and, like, mm-hmm. I remember when that trailer came out, like, people were like... Oh, it's like this. It's the song from 2001: Space Odyssey. But now when I'm watching it, like, like they're kind of like critical of that they they took it from something else. But I'm like, no, like, come on, it's like so fucking cool. Like, yeah, so cool. it's like such a visual. Like the only other thing I can think of in recent times is like Aquaman when he's diving underneath to go into the deep, and all those things are following him I still into the seen deep. That movie. Like it's an extreme wide shot, and it's just like such a cool visual. Mm-hmm. Um, I <laughs> like Aquaman's a really goofy movie, but that visual is very cool and just like, yeah, James Wan made a bunch of horror movies. This makes sense, you know. <laughs> um, so them diving from the air into that is just like so feels like nihilistic and like um, just so dramatic. But what are you gonna so say? Speaking of that parachuting scene, uh, the military guys that that like comprise that unit that uh, the main character joins. Did you guys know that? Jared Kiso from Letterkenny was in this movie. No, I don't know. Who he's that is. he's he's the dude at, like at the table beforehand. He's like part of that unit apparently. Wayne from Letterkenny is, and I like got completely pulled from the movie because I was like, "That's Wayne." <laughs> That's Wayne. <laughs> well, is Letter Letterkenny is a sitcom? Yeah, it's a Canadian TV show. <laughs> How uh, do you know about this? It's a good show. It's really funny. It's on. Oh, Hulu. okay, okay. I, I just got me. totally pulled and like pulled from it. And I was like, and because this movie came out in 2014, it was before the show. Oh. But now, having like gone back to it, I'm like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to unsee this. This is like Black Hawk Down, <laughs> where every single time you watch that movie, you notice another person in it. Yeah, yeah. It's like if Eric Andre was in this movie or something. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> Like, Mark Ruffalo is in Black Hawk Down. Yeah. Like, what the hell? What? I, I would, I would love it if Eric, if Eric Andre was in this movie and Godzilla roared, and then Eric Andre was just like, Ah! <laughs> Let me in! <laughs> when, they closed, when they closed the doors before the tsunami in that coffee shop, <laughs> Eric Andre's outside just going, Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the takeaway of the whole conversation for me is that <laughs> I just love the sound design in this movie so much. Yeah, same. I, really cool. I really love their use of sound and the way they made the monster sound and their use of like the lack of sound, which they do repeatedly. And we talked yeah. about a bunch of those times when they make it seem just like 
completely it it, it de- deprives you of the sense in order to give it back to you in a way more powerful way and i like that mm. yeah i remember when the first time i saw this movie in theaters um when it came out and this just the sound of him like the whole time i wasn't sure if he would use his atomic breath or not i didn't or there i i didn't know if godzilla would use their atomic breath or not this whole movie you know, considering especially like 1998 Godzilla, where that's not a thing at all. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was just like, oh, I was just like, okay, if they do it, like, or not, like, I'm just, whatever, I'm fine with it, like, either way. But, like, it'd be really cool if they did in a way. And just, like, you hear the power up of, like, going up <laughs> their fins Sounds and everything. Sounds like turbines weren't worrying up. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, and then, it's like, the first time it happens, it's cool. It's definitely very cool. And just, like, I almost got like um, goosebumps, goosebumps watching that, and then like the second time when it happens, I remember in theaters when it just like goes down its throat and just disintegrates its whole neck and like rips <laughs> off the head. I'm just like, man, like what the hell? Like I, <laughs> I, I know I'm just like vamping on this movie so much, but there's just like I just don't see these kind of visuals in in like these big old blockbuster movies. Like it mm-hmm. just feels like such, and then especially since they alternated this whole franchise to be more goofy right after this, it's just like. Yeah. Were they afraid that... to make something so good? Like, <laughs> like that's just my personal opinion, but, you know. When I first saw the the movie in theaters, I'm normally a fairly quiet person in movies. I try not to be that person who's talking the whole time and stuff. <laughs> I do have to admit that when the kiss of death happened and Godzilla <laughs> breathes fire down, down uh, the Muto's throat, I legitimately turned to my friend, like, grabbed over, like, yo, the kiss of death! Yo! <laughs> That part's great. It just show, it to me that was like they never stood a chance. Like there, this was the only outcome that could happen. Like the movies yeah. were just doomed from the get go, in the face of like Godzilla. Like it's just no. Oh yeah. god, that's so good. It, it it's a great while for, for Godzilla to wake up because they were sleepy, but then now that they're awake, <laughs> he's like, "You guys woke me up. Big mistake." Yeah. <laughs> It just reminded when you said that like, you like shook your friend being like, ah, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but when me and Jacob both saw, um, what was it? Split for the first time. And we, the theater was packed. So we had to sit in separate parts of the well, theater. And then when, I don't know, um, Al, is this spoilers? Have you seen all of, like split and unbreakable and all that, all that stuff? I have. Yes. Okay, cool. Then everyone braced for spoilers. But anyway, at the end of split, <laughs> Bruce Willis is there as uh, as Unbreakable Man or whatever, and they, when he says like, "Who was that guy?" and he says, "They call him Mr. Glass." Me and Jacob, I could hear us both from either side <laughs> of the theater going, "Oh shit!" Come <laughs> <laughs> like, got us again. Yeah, it was just like you could just hear it was just me and him from my like, other side of the room going, "Oh shit!" at the same time. And I just, I just, we just walked through. We're like, "Yep, yep, that, that was, that was, that was, that was good." Because uh, that, that was, that was probably the moments where I was like, where I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, that's good. That got me. That hit." I can only imagine what the theaters were like for Empire Strikes Back. Oh my god, must have been like, like I, I can only dream how many people went, "Oh shit." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in a little bit older, older, more dignified talk than that. Hot dog! 
Yeah, I, I really want Gareth Edwards to make another movie. <laughs> like, I, he stopped making movies for a little while recently because I think he was just really tired from making Godzilla <laughs> and then Rogue One. Both of which I like a lot. Like, I think Rogue One might be my second favorite Disney Star Wars movie. Mm, good That's caveat. Fair. After Rise of Skywalker, of course. Of course. Ooh. Your favorite movie. <laughs> Tyler's also somebody who does not like to talk to, uh, talk during movies. And he turns to me during that during the premiere of, of that movie. And he just turns to me and goes, and with like Palpatine, like the big gross like hook out hook machine. And he turns to me. And there's like this like hose type device. He goes, that's what they use to hose him down. <laughs> <laughs> the big lasers on the Star Destroyers right, that they happen the to retrofit. Laser. That's right, the big lasers. <laughs> That's what they used to have some doubt. And I'm just like cackling as like planets are being destroyed. My like, Tyler's making me out to be the biggest asshole. Like Star Wars guffawing at the deaths of planets full of people. And I'm just like, this word is Palpatine's batho. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tyler, remind me, because uh, I'm not going to uh, completely expose our friend on on podcast. Uh, there's a very good story about Rogue One and Richard talking in theater that I'll tell you another time. No, no go ahead. He'll be on the next episode, so I'll ask him. Ooh, or do you will. want me to just ask him about it next episode? He will. I'll, I'll just tell it. He can okay. He can suck it. <laughs> All right. So do it. That This was actually when I was working at that Japanese collector store. Mm-hmm. And... We went to Rogue One for uh, for Richard's birthday, and he he got really, really drunk beforehand. <laughs> and so we walk into the theater, and uh, in front of us sits my manager from my work, and Richard the entire time is just talking during the beginning of the movie, and then just passes out. And I can tell my manager's really, really, like, already bugged by it. And then right as Donnie Yen comes on screen, Richard wakes up and sees him. It's just going, yo, it's my boy, Samurai Warrior. That's my boy. <laughs> oh, my God. And then as we walked out of the theater after the movie, my manager stops and is like, I'll see you tomorrow, Alfonso. And walk, walks away. <laughs> just upset. <laughs> oh, man. I was, so, I was so mad at Richard. <laughs> that's my boy. He um, wakes up. What an asshole. <laughs> I guess if we're doing movie theater stories, I may have told this on the podcast already, but I don't even remember what episode. But I went to go see Straight Outta Compton when it came out in theaters. And I was I went down to Long Beach to visit our pal, Cutter White, who is on two of our Indiana Jones episodes. But I went to go see it, and the guy sitting right next to us was like asleep during the whole movie. <laughs> Except whenever an NWA song came on, he'd wake up immediately and start moving his hands and singing the whole song, <laughs> and then he'd go back to sleep. It was crazy, but it was I, such a you great. Know, experience. You have not told this it. story. That's great. <laughs> I really. That was like one of the best movie theater experiences I've ever had. Just because that guy, I was like, I'm so happy this guy's having a good time and a good sleep. <laughs> <laughs> He's loving life, man. Yeah. He's doing what my grandpa would do at every single movie he would ever go to, or like he would he would say, "All right, let's go to the movie there," and he'd literally just sleep. Like he would not watch the movie consistently; he'd just go to sleep. That sounds good. Like he'd pay like a twenty dollar nap, basically. <laughs> Sometimes he gotta. Yep. 
Uh, in conclusion of Godzilla 2014, <sighs> I like that Sally Hawkins is in this and that um, she's trying to find Paddington so that she can make Godzilla be nice. Oh, that, that'd be the thing that works, let me tell you. <laughs> Giving him a nuclear marmalade to eat. I thought she was I'm... shopping around for future husbands because maybe with the Shape of Water monster, but that's yet to happen. <laughs> oh, nice. That's I'm good really too. excited for how they tie WandaVision into this. It'll be really great. <laughs> I really like how they tie in Age of Ultron where they're playing a couple in this and siblings in Age of Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, they hooked them together for a little bit. Uh, uh, she's a lot better of an actor than he is. Yeah, I'm happy she's yeah. the one that stayed around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Well, anybody have any final comments on this movie? I will say that I had a lot more fun talking about this movie than I did watching it. I personally mm. find it really boring, but I think talking about it and the talk, discussing its themes and like the scenes at least stand out is is a really fun talk. And so I guess in conclusion, I would probably give the movie two and a half stars i give this conversation five stars wow alfonso i don't really like to rate movies because i'm really bad at keeping things in relation to each other (laughs) that's fine Uh, but ultimately i really i think the movie is the closest we may ever get to like a really good western godzilla movie Mm -hmm. It, it has all the pieces there it has focus it just gets kind of shot in the knees by some of its portions that make me not love it. I, mm. I just like it. I, I can watch it. I can enjoy it. It's even more fun with friends because any Godzilla or Kaiju movie is better with friends. Any action movie is better with friends. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll never love this. I'll never, you know, buy a poster of it. I, I'll just, I'll think of it and go, yeah, I could watch that. <laughs> watch that. That's good. I think that's this is an overall fond review of our first step into the Godzilla franchise, wouldn't you say, Tyler? Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of them because I feel like I was a lot more tepid with all the sequels from this afterwards. You had a, if, if anybody's checked Tyler's letterbox, he has the <laughs> angriest review of Kong Skull Island that's ever been written by a person. From three years ago. So I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Especially with uh, with uh, with Richard Lamb, who will yeah, be on our next be episode, fun. because uh, I don't know, it'll probably be fun. I just gotta tune out a little bit, you know. But yeah. uh, <laughs> I I really appreciate this movie. I like everything it's going for, and I I'm just totally in the bag for this movie. That I just disregard everything wrong with it. <laughs> um, I if I just follow like David Ehrlich's review, where it's just, like basically like yeah, like humans start off in the forefront in the beginning to draw you in, and then they become less and less important until Godzilla comes in front. Yeah, like that makes sense to me. But again, that's just one reading, so it's just like that's not totally fair to look at this movie in that way and be like, oh, like everyone should look at this movie this way. It's like no, like everyone has different opinions on it, but just this movie in particular, really, especially the amount of seriousness taken about Godzilla as a character and as like a a symbol. Um, I, I feel like it's really up there. Like it's, it's, it's not nearly like the original Godzilla, like 1954, but it's, it's really up there with the seriousness and everything. I really appreciate it for that because there's so many that just focus on like, Oh, monster fights and that's fun and everything. But I just, I really appreciate the seriousness involved, uh, without it becoming too pretentious at the same time. Like I really tested this movie while watching it to see if it was like pretentious. And for me, at least it wasn't, but you know, no. 
you know, I it could know. be for other people, but <laughs> I, I, no, I, 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 I love this movie. I don't sense pretension in this movie at all, to be totally honest. Like, I, I sense yeah. none of that. Uh, unlike Batman v Superman. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Always comes back to Batman and Superman. It used to be the Joker. I'm kind of happy we're moving on. <laughs> Remember that one time Godzilla drank Granny's uh, lemonade or whatever? Yeah, Granny's you see Godzilla go, Martha! <laughs> Why'd you say that name? Mothra! Um, I give this movie five stars against uh, my better judgment because it's just really, I really like what it's going for. And I give this conversation six out of five stars. Brilliant. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for tuning into this episode. Thanks for joining us, Fonzo. Do you have anything to plug before we go? Uh, no, but I have a request for you guys. Oh, sure. Okay. So next week, or not next week, but next episode, mm-hmm. Richard will be on, correct? Yes. Yeah. So he mentioned that to me, and I've been trying to inception him to think about a cer- certain scene from that movie, and it's Tom Hiddleston uh, after he meets uh, John C. Riley. Yeah, uh, he's running through a field with a gas mask on while like pterodactyls are attacking him, <laughs> and he, John C. Riley throws him a samurai sword, and he starts killing the pterodactyls <laughs> in slow motion with this samurai sword. Yes, and so I've I've been trying to get him to mention that naturally. And I want you guys to just try to nudge him towards that, maybe. Okay, okay, it'll be a sort of like a grim prophecy fulfilling itself. I'm into that. Exactly. I will nudge him towards possibly the most unmotivated scene in all of cinema. It, it was <laughs> awful. I, that, scene was, that scene was cinema murder. Worse than all the scenes with like the different colored smoke and the actors like in the smoke or whatever doing slow motion fights. No, that was that scene. Oh, that's yeah. that scene? Okay, yeah, that yeah. sucked ass. It's terrible. It was like all the movie posters. I'm like, these are just the posters for the movie. It was <laughs> so bad. And I love it so much because it's so bad. <laughs> Full disclosure, I really I really don't like that movie, but uh, apparently Hideo Kojima really likes Kong Skull Island, so I'm going to give <laughs> as much of an effort as I can to find things I like about that movie. And we'll, we'll find out next weekend. Everybody, I believe right. Kojima likes Kong Skull Island a lot. That seems like right up his avenue. <laughs> yeah, he said it was like the first American kaiju movie. I'm like, uh, all right, <laughs> all right, okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. Go back to making your what's it called? Um, Death Stranding. God, that game's something. Strand type, strand type game. Tactical uh, espionage action. I love Kojima, but uh, yeah, okay. So Alfonso Hall recommends. Uh, <laughs> Richard talking about that scene. Connery, what do you have to plug? If you enjoyed the sound of my rambling and you also enjoy tabletop role-playing games, you'll probably enjoy Starship Impala. It's an actual play role-playing podcast hosted by myself and four other amazing friends. And we play the Star... Oh, my God. Yes, yes, it is. The Starfinder RPG game. And it is very, very fun. Over 100 hours of content waiting for you to devour more stuff in the works hopefully soon it will be an actually announced and tyler will be on it <laughs> hopefully soon it will be mm. <laughs> tyler what do you have to plug uh follow me on instagram and twitter at tiami vice uh, i've been posting photo shoots on instagram that i've been doing socially distanced and uh you know like double masked at this point because that's what Ooh. uh apparently the you know they're recommending wear, wear two masks if you're going out i didn't know that oh geez uh to well they're saying you know everyday stuff probably fine just having one mask but i'm just being extra safe 
that so that people good. aren't like, hey, why are you doing a photo shoot? I'm like, I don't know. My life is broken right now. <laughs> My life is broken. Leave me something. <laughs> and follow us at Franchise Pod at Instagram, Twitter, uh, on Facebook. Email us at thefranchisepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions and comper- concerns, not conperns, calpurnias. <laughs> Conferns. Uh confirm goalies. Uh please <laughs> give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. Really appreciate it. I feel like I haven't plugged that in a while, and it'll help us mm. spread the uh you know, people listening to this. We'll podcast, spread so. much like a mudo parasite into your lives. Yeah. You know. In uh San Francisco's Chinatown, the dragon's underneath the water, and it's like a metaphor and stuff, you know, because like Godzilla's much bigger than like the dragon and stuff. You yeah, know, yeah, so. yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in to our episode on Gareth Edwards' Godzilla. Stay tuned for next weekend where we'll cover Kong Skull Island, followed by King of the Monsters, and then Godzilla <gasps> vs. Kong, which is a new <gasps> movie coming out. On HBO Max, as Connery beats his chest. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, stay tuned for all the monkey memes. Yeah, I I have to know, uh, before we say goodbye to Alfonso, are you Team Godzilla or are you Team Kong? The world wants to know. Uh, I'm Team Godzilla. Of course. Good. Uh, uh, Kong being monkey is not going to be enough. (laughs) It's not going to be enough. I hope he gets a big machine gun. <laughs> I saw like I think a meme of like Godzilla like is that a monkey? And then one of their kaiju's like he's got a gun. It's like a big gun. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Good old Hellboy Kong with the glicky. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, like they say in this movie, mommy, look, dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> bye, <Bye-bye>, bye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.